0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now,
1: celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning. What a beautiful day. It's going to be a little cooler today. It's actually going to be a great day to be outside and Hopefully this cool weather will mitigate some of the fire... incidents that are happening. You know, we got a big outdoor weekend coming up, and we're going to have a lot of people. Uh, Let's really be careful first about the fire danger. I mean, it's just dry out there, folks. We want you to get out and have fun, but really be aware. uh, Smoking, fires, all those kinds of things. Just be really careful. The other thing, too, is we've been talking a lot over the last few weeks about etiquette in the outdoors. And, you know, there's a lot of people that love to recreate in Colorado. And we really want everybody to enjoy whatever your activity is. And we're all just out there to have fun, right? But make sure that you're considerate of the other people and you understand the proper etiquette and rules and regulations because then we can all have a great time. We can avoid incidents, tragedy. We can have a great holiday weekend. So it's going to be fantastic. Got a great lineup today. Um, We're going to talk some fly fishing with Kirk Dieter and with Trout Unlimited's uh, David Nickham, the executive director. We're going to have... uh, Uh, Joe Lewandowski is going to tell us about a tournament over in the southwest part at uh, Ridgeway Reservoir. And then we're going to have the hatchery people on. We're going to talk some hunting and shooting. It's just going to be a great, great show. Let's go right to the phones right now. And I'm going to abbreviate this man's resume because we don't have time to read it all and still get in a programming segment. He's the editor of Trout Magazine, an editor at large for Field & Stream. He's an author, an accomplished fly fisherman, and Kirk Dieter, the list goes on and on, and you're the only guy I know that might travel more than me.
2: Well, I don't know about that, but uh, thank you very much. It's good to be here.
1: Oh, great to have you. And it's, you know, you've been an on and off regular guest. We love having you on. You travel the world, but you're right here in Colorado, and you get to compare Colorado and contrast it, and you love this state and the fishing we have here, and you're heavily involved. Uh, We're trying to cover a lot of fly fishing these next few weeks because it's really a unique year um, with the flows and the runoff. Is that what you're seeing, too?
2: Yeah, I am. In fact, I just got an update that the river temps on the Colorado are sometimes over 70 degrees. So we need to be very, very careful um, not to fish. You know, part of the etiquette that you allude to is to take care of the fish for other fishermen and so forth. So um, in the heat of the day, you might avoid some of those warmer waters for trout fishing specifically and and but the good news is in colorado is we have tons of options you can go up high you can you can fish the lakes you can fish the tailwaters there's always A fallback position, which is why I live here and and like fishing here so much.
1: Yeah, I want to talk to you about a lot of the high mountain stuff here in just a second. But you mentioned the lakes. And I did an article in my Denver Post column, oh, maybe about three, four weeks ago, where I said I would have said I said that I might normally be telling you to fish the still water right now. Because uh, the runoff is the rivers are blowing out, and and a lot of fly fishermen hesitate to fish still water. But you're absolutely right; the still water is a great uh, a great option right now, especially the higher lakes. Uh, there's lakes up in Rocky Mountain National Park that just produce phenomenal fish.
2: Oh, no doubt. And you know what? Fishing still water makes you a better angler. Oh, um, you have to look for the subtle signs. You're looking for subtle current breaks changes in depth, changes in, um, you know, the, the the way the structure is along the side of the lake and so forth. If you can tune into those things on still water and then apply them to the river, you're going to be a better angler.
1: Well, I think you're cat. absolutely right. I think fly fishermen in particular um, shy away from still water because they've used the river to locate the fish and they've used the river to, pu- to make their presentation. So now, like you said, you have to find the fish, look for more subtleties, and sometimes you can just maybe f- have a dry or, or even a, a nymph floating under an indicator, but a lot of times you're going to have to give some life to that presentation, and there's a hesitancy there.
2: That's exactly right. You have to make things look exactly natural, and the casts have to be soft, and the presentations need to be realistic. And so it's, it's one of those areas where I, whether, almost whether I want to or not, I make a point to once a month go out and fish some still water. That hones my game and and it, it keeps me sharp for when I'm on the river.
1: Well, and if you're uh, if 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 you're uh, if you want to just practice or get in some time or just have some fun, you can fish a lot of warm water species too. And then you don't have to be so concerned about the water temperatures. And they'll help you with your casting. They'll help you with fighting fish. There's just a lot of things that the still water presents. But I want to take us up to one option that I know is one of your favorites, and it's kind of to me. The essence of fly fishing in Colorado, and that's the the higher rivers. And you know, we can all talk about chasing a huge brown on the on the Colorado, or a, you know, a big cutthroat somewhere, or going to the Delaney's, or but. Even or the big rivers that flow, or the bigger rivers that flow through the state. But when you get up to the higher elevations, you have the smaller streams, and you're pocket fishing, and you've got these beautiful scenery, and it's cool and crisp. I just feel like that's almost the essence of fly fishing, Kirk.
2: I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that the trophy fish is not any more defined by its size, or its length, or its weight. It's it's. It's much about the type of fish in the place that you catch it. So a uh, uh, native Colorado cutthroat trout caught in a high mountain stream or lake to me is every bit the trophy or more so than the, the larger trout that you might catch beneath the dam someplace. So certainly worth walking for. And, I, and you make a great point, especially this time of the year with the wildflowers and, and everything. I mean, it really connects you with essential
1: Colorado. Oh, it does. It's just, it's an experience that you, you know, it's, it's a, it's a totally different experience. I mean, you and I have fished the flats for bonefish and tarpon and we fished for big fish in the rivers and I've traveled and done conventional fishing and fly fishing for redfish. And then I've been to Minnesota for the pike and Colorado for the pike and all those different things. But there's something nice about a little fly rod. Up in those streams, and your gear can be so light; it's not fatiguing. In fact, a lot of companies are coming out with gear just for that application. Kirk,
2: that's right. In fact, I I got wind of a couple of new things that are coming down the pike. Uh, you know, Sage, obviously one of the biggest fly rod companies, is introducing a, a fast action but small weight, so two, three, four weight, um, called the Dart, and that's going to be available next year. And then, you know, Scott, of course, does wonderful things in fiberglass and. Lines are being more tailored for the small stream application. Portland has a new line called Ultralight. Uh, we're seeing a lot more double papers being used and bought. Uh, used to be almost 90% weight forward fly lines and now the double papers are back in vogue. So I think people in general, as they like the, the solitude of open spaces and open rivers and so forth, will hike a little bit, get off the beaten path, find that solitude and, um, the manufacturers are starting to cater to those anglers more.
1: Well, and I think you're absolutely right. And one of my favorite places to fish is Rocky Mountain National Park. Karen and I go up there, and sometimes we don't even care if we catch a fish. One time, took a little picnic lunch with us. We went out and hiked back into one of the streams, and I had the fly gear there, and I was watching the water and I could see no fish at all, but we hadn't been real careful coming up. So we kind of sat down there. We were having lunch, almost laying down, actually. And as we started to eat lunch quietly, the trout started moving back into the feeding lanes from where they were hiding. And pretty soon, the the river was full of trout. And if I raised my hand, they would stop feeding. And if I stood (laughs) up, they would leave. And it just showed you how in tune they were. What a lesson that was.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that you hit it on the nails right there but the high country fishing is a place where you can teach yourself or you, if you're attuned enough and you're watching and observing enough you can learn a lot and it's not the same pattern the patterns change uh more rapidly uh up, up in the high country and you know sure there are some days when you can just walk the river and throw a yellow humpy and catch 20 fish and it's not that technical or difficult but sometimes especially on the stiller waters it's, it's, it gets really, really sickle and things change very quickly. So you've got to be in tune and watch.
1: Well, another thing I love too is uh, sneaking up on some of that pocket water where there's no way a fish should be in there, but yet you can put a Chernobyl ant or some big thing and some little cutthroat or brook trout will come out of some crease from nowhere and eat that thing that it can hardly get in its mouth. It's just amazing.
2: <laughs> That's right. They, 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 have to, they have to work hard for their living in those uh, rivers and, and small streams. They don't have a lot of time to scrutinize the fly so they're going to take a stab at whatever floats by them usually and uh, yeah i I give them credit i I like the moxie of those fish
1: well you know another thing before we move on to some other things about the small streams too is the fact that people think there's just little fish you can get some big pockets and some of the alpine lakes that are up high actually produce some very nice sized fish
2: oh no doubt i mean you can two three four pound fish In the upper lakes and in some of those pockets in the rivers, you'd be surprised. I mean, they're smart fish. They're not easy. But, um, you know, I I would say that, you know, the the notion that you can only catch a 20-inch trout in Colorado if you're fishing somewhere beneath a dam is absolutely false.
1: Oh, completely! And uh, some of my biggest fish have come in some of those high mountain lakes and streams, and and the alpine lakes up in, you know, a good friend of ours. I'm sure you know Steve Schweitzer. He's written a couple really good books. Um, one fly fisher's guide to Rocky Mountain National Park and the Indian Peak Wilderness area, and those are the. If you want to just hike and do some fishing, those are great. You've got a bunch of books out yourself. What are tell us about some of your books?
2: Well, first, you're right. I think Schweitzer's books on Indian Peaks and Rock Mountain are the two best sources. So if anyone's looking for info, definitely look Be
1: careful because he listens, and he's already got an ego, so we don't want right, to feed it too well, much. He's here.
2: an Ohio State guy. That's the nicest thing I could
1: say about him. But anyway, I'm moving on. He's a Michigan man here. But, well, uh, I'm from Minnesota, so you know he's got two strikes <laughs> against him.
2: I know. Well, we we just did our nice thing for the day for him, and now we'll move on. But, All
1: right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've got a new book out. It's called Trout Tips. It's uh, well, first I started with a book that I co-wrote with uh, Charlie Myers, who you know, obviously is the late, um, you know, outdoorsman for the, the Denver Post and a mentor to both of us and a friend to both of us and so forth. And that was a little red book of fly fishing, and that was eight years ago, believe it or not. And uh, with this. Somewhat of a sequel to that uh that we released this last year is called Trout Tips and it's a small format, easy one paragraph, two paragraph tips. And some of them are mine and some of them uh, most of them are uh collected from members of Trout Unlimited from throughout the country. And the the book is nice in that it's got it's got perspectives from different parts of the country and and the nicest part about it all is that there's no, nobody makes any money off of it. it. It all goes right into Trout Unlimited, and it all goes into fits and in rivers and lakes.
1: And that's fantastic. By the way, we're going to have David Nickum on later in the show in the second hour for an extended period talking about a number of things with Trout Unlimited, and I'm sure you know David quite well.
2: I do. Yeah, he's yeah. a great guy. He's getting a lot done. He's one of the most um, proactive and respected leaders in the Trout Unlimited field, for sure. Um Colorado Council is super important, and uh, it's, it's great for me to be based here because, um, a, you know, fishing's great in Colorado and, and so forth, but it's nice to be working closely with such a good council as well.
1: Speaking of Trout Unlimited, you're the editor of Trout Magazine. you got some good stories coming up you can tell us about that people should be watching for.
2: Yeah, you know, we, we've got a number of good things. We're, we're looking at... Uh, we have themes for different issues and, and coming up in, in the winter issue, um, not looking too far ahead, but I'm real excited about it is we're going to do an homage to Dave Whitlock, who's been a long time friend and partner and, and contributor to Trout Magazine and Trout Unlimited. And he's got a new book out himself. Uh, and it's the collection of all his new, uh, or his columns and, and artwork from Trout Unlimited for the last 10 years or so, uh, so look for that, but we're going to do a profile of him. We're also going to talk about some some projects in the work in California, you know, heading back to Alaska. Um, not too heavy, but we also, the thing that's real exciting for us is that in the last year, we've got John Gerex, uh who used to do his regular column for Fly, Rod, and Reel with Bob White, the artist, and we've been able to bring them over since Fly, Rod, and Reel is no longer around. We'll keep the team intact. And, and those guys are now producing that column and that art for Trout Magazine. So oh, you and you talk, right
1: talk, by the way, I just got a text from Schweitzer. He said I heard that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, talking about John gerick 's a friend, and. Uh, One of my, his books are some of my favorites, and not only for the fishing, just for the the interest and the humor, you know, him and I both, well, I used to say we grew up in northern Minnesota, my wife reminds me, we just got older, but But um, you, you read and you just you just it just brings back what the essence of the outdoors was back then and and he's such a great guy i just love him so much he's just truly a truly truly a, a an accomplished author and, and a fun read before i let you go is um, we're going to it's holiday weekend a lot of people are going to be out I mentioned being courteous and everything but a lot of them are also going to be looking for some places to go so if you were going to head out this weekend maybe give me a couple places you might uh, you might want to go fly fishing or recommend to somebody that has a day during the week to get away maybe
2: well again I'd go high uh, be sensitive to the water temperatures and try to find rivers that are you know cooler than 65 degrees and uh, you'll find that Pretty much everywhere you go, if you're up above eight thousand feet, I, I would certainly look at Indian Peaks and hike in there. Rocky Mountain National Park, headwaters to the Arkansas River, um,
1: and the Arkansas, west, by the way, has water they own. They release that they keep the flow pretty good.
2: Yeah, the, the upper Arkansas is in great shape, and and, and above that, you know, West Leadville up in that area, it's beautiful streams and and creeks. You know, lots going on there. The Gore Range, great flat tops, is good. Uh, lots of, lots of options available, especially if you are willing to put on the walking
1: shoes. Well, and I, and I think there's great fishing going on right now too, to take advantage of.
2: No doubt. The only thing is you have got to be careful when we do go up high, you to be careful looking out for the lightning and planning your
1: days accordingly. Oh, exactly. Couldn't have said more. Now I know you're going to be headed down to the I class, I uh, slash fly fishing show. A lot of new gear coming out. I'd like to get you back on in a few weeks when you get back and maybe go over some of that new gear.
2: I'm at you back and call. Whenever you need me, I'll be there.
1: Kirk, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. All right, buddy. Thank you. You bet. Kirk Dieter just really, truly, truly a good guy. Terry Oaksham Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Sandy Cleff here to tell you about SCL Mortgage, special
3: circumstance lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. My specialmortgage.com on the web 303-790-2222 the phone number SCO Mortgage licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies number
1: 1200716 Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports Colorado's largest ATV and Motorcycle Dealer. Let's go right back to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Joe Lewandowski. Good morning, Joe.
4: Good morning, Terry. Greeting you from a smoky Durango.
1: Yeah, I was going to kind of ask you, I hope the weather... You guys looking for any break in weather? I know that fire is not far away. How, how are conditions out there?
4: Uh, yeah, the, the, fortunately, the fire is burning in the forest to the north and away from town generally. Um uh, but, yeah, we don't have anything in the forecast, unfortunately, for moisture.
1: Well, you know, it's this holiday weekend coming up, Joe, I've been just pleading with people to be so cautious. I mean, fires, cigarettes, motorized vehicles shooting in the wrong areas. I mean, those are all things we all take part in. Well, I don't smoke, but um, but just be careful out there, right? I mean, it's just... Sure,
4: appreciate you passing that along because uh, everyone's got to be really careful now.
1: Now, I want to talk about a couple of things with you. The first is a tournament that's going on at Ridgeway. Why don't you tell people where Ridgeway is located?
4: Okay, Ridgeway State Park is one of our most beautiful state parks. It sits in the uh, shadow of the uh, San Juan Mountains. Uh, the 14,000-foot Mount Sneffels sits right above it, um, and it's about 20 miles south of Montrose. Um, off of Highway 50 in western Colorado. Pretty easy to find.
1: Oh, and it's a, you're right. It is a beautiful setting. I've driven by there many, many times, and it's just gorgeous. Um, and they're having a tournament there, and let, we'll talk about the tournament, then I've got a couple other things I want to get to. But the tournament, you know, there's smallmouth bass in Ridgeway in addition to huge browns. Oh, my gosh, there's some big browns in there, and cool. there's some good rainbows and other things in there. But because of some, you know, management situations, both federally and state, the number Brown, the number of smallmouth need to be kept in check uh, so they don't cause a, get into the river system. So uh, you're having, what, is this the fourth annual? I can't remember.
4: Yeah, this is the fourth annual uh, Ridgeway Smallmouth Bass Tournament. And the, the concern is that there are smallmouth bass, the predator fish, and they could get out of the reservoir possibly if there's an overstill of the reservoir um, and go downstream and get into the Gunnison River where we have native fish, um, uh, the flannelmouth sucker, the uh, bluehead, uh, the um, uh, chub. And uh, these fish are native to Colorado and the Colorado River system. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, the smallmouth bass can live in rivers and uh, they can devastate those, um, those native fish populations.
1: Now, what you're trying to do, you understand that it'd be almost impossible without draining the lake to get all the smallmouth out of there. So instead of having some expensive operation, every year now you're calling on the anglers to take to have some fun and help help to mitigate those numbers and really turns into a win win for everybody. Tell us about the tournament.
4: Yes, so um, everyone can enter. it's fr- it's uh, free to enter. there's no charge. And um, the uh, tournament starts on July seventh, which is next Saturday, and runs through July twenty eighth. So it's a nice, nice long, um, nice long tournament. Um, for every smallmouth bass someone catches, no matter the size if it's two inches long or seventeen inches long, they'll get a raffle ticket. And um, and then. Um, There'll be a drawing. People can, the, the first person drawing at the end of the tournament win 1500 bucks. And then there'll be three secondary prizes for $250. Um, the second part of the tournament is uh, what we call the angling part of the tournament. And we're giving, a, uh, again, $1,500 to the person who catches the most smallmouth bass. Um, and then the second most is 500 And the third most is $250. Um, and we're also giving a uh, prize for the largest fish caught which is 250 dollars and even the smallest fish caught another 250 bucks so so we got money on the table uh at, at ridgeway so we're, we're hoping that'll that'll bring uh bring some people out
1: when people should know there's beautiful camping facilities at ridgeway and also the water levels let's talk about that a little bit now no, the water level you got everybody knows you've been a shortage water over in the southwest tell us what is the condition of the lake as far as water
4: yeah, it's uh, it's down substantially from uh you know the last five or six years unfortunately. Um you can still launch a boat um and uh you know for other people doing recreation, you know you can paddleboard, kayak, canoe, that sort of thing. Um it could make the fishing a little better because it's going to concentrate those bass in in some some areas uh, because there's less water. But uh, you know it's something we have to live with, and uh, you know we'll do the best we can with with what we've got.
1: Well, what a fun way to take some kids out, and they can feel like they're competing. And maybe because you know all they got to do is catch one, they could win fifteen hundred bucks in the raffle. And if you catch a bunch, you might get some anyway. So it's just a fun way to go help uh, parks and wildlife, and at the same time have a great time. Uh it just sounds like where can they get more information about it?
4: Well, they can go to our website. Um we have Uh, Just uh, um, Google Ridgeway State Park, and it'll show up. And and we actually have a nice PowerPoint on there that talks about how you can catch um, the best way to catch smallmouth bass uh, by our uh, aquatic biologist, who's a really good angler. So you can get some tips there, too.
1: Now, one last thing, because we're running out of time, and uh, we know the rivers have been running warm. I think it's probably true there, too, with low flows. What are the conditions for the fly fishermen and the rivers over in your part of the state?
4: Well um we didn't really have much of a runoff and um so the rivers are you know like everything else are down um the big concern is that um in the middle of the day uh, the waters Pushing you know 65 to 70 degrees, and so we're asking uh, anglers to you know be careful of the, of the um, uh, temperature conditions. Fish early, fish late, and if you catch a fish and it's really struggling to uh, recover, that means it's you know stressed because of warm water. So uh, it might be a, a tough year for for angling, but um, if people will you know maybe go a little higher to some of the mountain mountain streams. Uh, those will stay cool. Uh, the bigger rivers are going to be are definitely
1: are warmer already. All right. Joe, we're out of time, but thank you so much. As always, great information. All right. Thank you. You bet. Joe Lewandowski. Let's go right back to the phones. And you know, Ray mr ray from adventure campers if i was wanted to go camping right now i might head out to that southwest area because it's beautiful i think a few people have shied away from it and it is one of the most gorgeous parts have you camped out there
0: well you know a little bit but i, I share your your uh, feeling terry it's i think one of the most beautiful parts of the state and, and because it's remote it's a little uh, longer and and to get to it's not as pressured as some of the other state parks and uh, boy, it might be a good time to go down to Ridgeway State Park and see if you can make a living being a fisherman, huh?
1: Yeah, well, I couldn't, so maybe somebody else can. <laughs> I tried that. <laughs> but I tell you what, we're, we're in the height of the camping season. You know, we're almost to July, and I think that's your number one month for rentals. But what well, about sales? Do. How are we looking there?
0: Well, sales drop off after July 1st, no question. But the good news on that front is, um, if you're still in the market to buy a trailer, great deals. We've got great sales at this time of year to reflect that. So in particular, I've got a 27-footer that sleeps up to eight people for 22 9 a great big super slide-out, gorgeous trailer. Uh, so we've got really good deals, uh, really good sales specials right now if you're still in the market for a trailer.
1: And anybody who's looking to buy or rent, you do all towables, and yeah. they shouldn't worry about their towing vehicles so much, should they?
0: Yeah, we've got a good selection of different weights and sizes of campers. So whether you're looking to rent or buy, we've got uh, plenty of choices for folks.
1: Tell them how they find you, Ray.
0: We are on the web at www.adventurecamper.com. Physically, we're near the intersection of Arapahoe Road and Jordan Road down in southeast Metro Denver, um, near the intersection of Arapahoe Road and Jordan.
1: All right. My friend, you have a great uh, holiday coming up, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Terry. You too. You bet. Terry. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And we're going right back to the phones. And uh, joining us from the Hatchery System in here at Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Riley Morris. Good morning, Riley. Good
5: morning, Terry. Thanks for having me on.
1: Well, thanks for coming on. You know, you and I have talked a few times over the the months and things, and. uh, I I sometimes don't know if people appreciate how valuable our trout hatchery system is to the fishing experiences we have in Colorado. Um, The fish you stock, the catchables, and then the sub-catchables... First of all, uh, we talked once, I remember, about panfish and growing up in the Midwest and how there was bluegills and crappies and every little pond. And we have a bunch of that around here, but not like the Midwest. And it's a little different fishing. But the, the stock trout that go into the lakes and ponds that are available for put and take, give families a chance to go out and catch some fish, get kids a chance to catch a fish, have that experience of taking one home, really can get them into the outdoors, doesn't it?
5: Oh yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, it's a vital part of the economy here in Colorado, and uh, it's a it's a great opportunity for for families, especially like you say, to get kids started fishing, to uh, to get into that that mode of catching trout, and then you know maybe it, it's a little easier at a lake, and, and later on as as kids grow up, they might take on the challenge of of catching fish on a fly in the river, and uh, and just you know, make it a lifetime, a lifetime activity.
1: Well, and and speaking of that, uh, everybody realizes the hatcheries provide these catchable fish and you stock them all over the state and they provide so much angling opportunity. But your mission is further than that. You take a lot of subcatchable fish and for one reason or another, whether it's a river or a lake, you, you stock them there. You also help develop strains of fish that are better suited for what's going on in Colorado right now. Kind of tell us about those two sides of the program.
5: Well, yeah, a uh, catchable stocking is, is definitely uh, often more focused in the, the river environment. I uh, want to put fish in an environment that, that really is natural for, for a trout or any other salmonid and allow that fish from a smaller size to grow up in that river. Um, almost, you know, you might call it a bit more of a wild fish than the fish you talked about earlier, the put-and-take fish that go into a lot of our reservoirs. But in a river, you know, that's a natural environment for a trout, and it'll do well there. Um, it'll provide a challenge for anglers um, after it adapts to the the, the river environment. Uh, so that's one of our big goals. And then, you know, over the years, we've, we've faced a real challenge uh, with whirling disease. And over the years, we've done a lot of research within the state, and we've experimented with different strains. Obviously, the Hofer strain, which has the uh, natural resistance to whirling disease, was a big part of that. But early on, we discovered that the hofer trout is not very effective in a river environment. Um, Its survival instincts weren't great, and we weren't getting good survival stocking straight hofers. So those fish were crossed with some other strains of rainbow uh, that we've had in Colorado. One of them we call the Colorado River Rainbow, and that kind of provided the best of both worlds, a fish that does well in the Colorado uh, environment and a fish that has that whirling disease resistance. So uh, in that respect, we're working to kind of establish fish back in the wild but, and then once again see that wild reproduction that we saw before the whirling disease parasite ever came
1: around. I know. You guys work so hard to maintain these fisheries. Along those lines, we're starting to see a recovery of the Colorado greenback. Are the hatcheries involved in that?
5: We are. We are. Um, we've got, obviously, we're, we're working with a strain of greenback called the the Bear Creek cutthroat, which uh genetically appears to be the the most pure greenback that's left in the state. Uh, a lot of work is going on at both the Mount Chabonot hatchery in Salida and the the Leadville Federal Hatchery is helping us out some with that. And those uh those teams are working to um kind of uh maintain the genetic diversity of that fish because there weren't a lot of them left in the wild. Um and then just reestablish those populations in appropriate locations. We also do work with a a recreational greenback strain, which is actually a combination of several um, strains of what were originally considered greenback cutthroats, later found to not be as genetically pure as we thought. But those fish um, are then also raised at hatcheries and stocked in a lot of the mountain lakes uh, for recreational anglers to go catch. A lot of times it requires a little hiking, but it can definitely be worth the reward. They're a beautiful fish to, to catch and and uh, to just uh, see in your hand for a minute.
1: Let's go back to the sub-catchables and the catchables for a minute. Where do you get the fish?
5: So that's a, that's a great question that um, people often ask when they visit a hatchery. That was one of the top questions. You know, people show up at a hatchery, they see these raceways filled with different strains of trout, and they you know, a natural question is, well, where do you get all these? How, how does this work? And um, what a lot of people don't know is you, you, most of our hatcheries, yeah, they're, they're involved in production of fish and stocking of fish. But we have three uh, hatcheries located in um, Carbondale, Glenwood Springs, and the Poudre Valley that um, basically their mission, their whole focus is uh, brood work. So they'll they'll get a strain of fish, and, um, you know, there's a lot, lot of thought and decision-making that goes into those. But eventually when we settle on a strain, whether it's, uh, you know, a hofer crossed with a Colorado River Rainbow or a hofer crossed with a Harrison Lake or a Greenback or what have you, and these, these particular hatcheries will just hold those fish for up to six years. And usually by the third year, they can start um, spawning these fish, taking eggs and fertilizing them, and then ra- either raising them at their own hatchery. To continue on the process. Um, obviously, they've got to hold some each year to, to have each year class of brood stock. But then the other eggs, they can, um, uh, whether it's uh, packed up in a cooler and, and driven to another hatchery, or we can even ship eggs uh, via you know FedEx or UPS overnight and send those eggs around the state to different hatcheries, and then that's their supply. They'll hatch those eggs and grow those fish and stock them at a later date.
1: That's awesome. you know, And then The final question I've got for you, and this is the one everybody's listening for. Everybody, you know, wants to catch those broodfish. I I, I believe when you and I talked before, after they get about five, six years old, they're probably not good broodstock anymore. So you release those, right? Where do those fish go, and how do I go catch one?
5: (laughs) (laughs) That's correct. Uh, After usually the the fifth or sixth year, the egg quality starts to drop off from these fish. Uh, So at that point, they become you know, fish that we can put back into the system for anglers to catch. And the way it works is basically every region of the state uh, has biologists and they, they will uh, put in requests in our system for these fish. And generally, uh, we, we'll never put very many at one location. We try to excuse me spread the fish out, uh, you know, maybe anywhere from 25 to 75 in a body of water depending on the size. So no one place gets too many of them. No, but we try, and that way we can spread them out to as many bodies of water as possible, and give people the option to, you know, you go up and you think, you go to a lake and you think, well, I'm probably just going to catch ten, eleven, twelve inch fish here, and maybe you pull in a twenty four inch fish.
1: Yeah, those those they run up to about what fourteen, twenty four inches on average, somewhere in there.
5: Yeah, it definitely depends on the facility. Obviously, the warmer the water and the longer they've been held, the more growth you can get on those fish, but. um I've had the privilege uh, a couple of times to help out at the Crystal River Hatchery in Carbondale, and they were holding fish that were easily 20 to 24 inches, maybe even a little bit larger.
1: That's awesome. Hey, you know what? Um thank you so much for joining us. I think that's interesting. I think it's important that people know uh, where these hatchery fish come from and what we're doing with them and how they support because without this hatchery system, we wouldn't have the fishing opportunities we do here in Colorado. So Riley, thank you for coming on and explaining some of that yeah thank you terry thanks for having me you bet you're listening to terry wickstrom outdoors on 104.3 the fan terry wickstrom outdoors is brought to you in part by sun power sports colorado's largest atv and motorcycle dealer and speaking of sun power sports let's go right to the phones because joining us from sun is mark kite good morning mark
3: hey good morning terry how are you
1: you know i'm doing good and you know mark we talk over and over again about the selection of ATVs and the brands you have, the motorcycles, both both domestic and uh, imported, you know, the Hondas, the Kawasaki's, the Harley Davidson's, the Can- and then the Can-Am uh, ATVs. You just have such a selection. But I think over the months, we sometimes neglect that you have other power sports, too, like personal watercraft. Tell us about those. We do, yeah. You know, we, uh, we've got the Kawasaki
3: line of jet skis. Then we have uh, all the Sea Dew personal watercrafts as well. We just took on Sea Dew. So that's a great lineup. And uh, they're just awesome, you know. And the sun's out now, and it's super hot. So, you know, we just got back from the lake last weekend. Just there's lots and lots of fun. I mean, it's a great way to beat the heat on those jet skis for sure.
1: Great time to go play, right? Especially a lot of people are off. Now, if they're headed out this weekend and they've been thinking about it and all of a sudden they're saying, hey, we're going to be at the lake for the next week or something, you got any good deals going on?
3: We do. We've got some really good deals. You know, we just started a promotion that's going to run two weeks on all the personal watercraft, both Kawasaki and Sea-Doo. So, you know, if you buy anything a thousand CCs or or bigger, you know, they get their they get their jet ski trailer for a dollar. So, yeah, some really good deals. You know, I mean, wait a minute,
1: wait a minute. The trailer for a dollar. Yep, you get the trailer for a dollar.
3: What do these trailers
1: <laughs> cost? So, you know, I mean, if you
3: do, uh, depending on what trailer, anywhere from nine hundred to about fifteen hundred bucks.
1: So it's like getting. A thousand bucks off the watercraft. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Wow, that's yep. unbelievable. Do you have pretty good inventory? We've got great inventory. Yeah, we've got great inventory both on the Kawasaki line and the Sea-Doo line. Yep, absolutely. That's awesome. Of course, you know you can't be. Like we should talk a little bit though too. It's time. You know, I want to start talking about two things. It sounds like it's early. One is hunting. The other one's ice fishing. But if you're going to use an ATV hunting, you need to purchase it now. You need to be out finding the trails in the area you're going to hunt that it's uh, that it's appropriate to ride them and get to know the area and get to know your machine, Mark.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, um, that is that is the season. You know, we're already planning for, for that early, you know, fall hunting season and, and getting some stuff outfitted for the hunting season. So, yeah, definitely. You know, you want to get familiar with your machine, get it outfitted properly, and just
1: get ready for that season, no question. What are some of the kinds of accessories you have there for the hunter?
3: You know, we do a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, when you look at, it, like, the ATV side of things, you know, we do heated hand grips. Um, you know, we do gun scabbards, um, obviously winches. Um, you know, there's a lot of lot of different things, you know, different bag setups and stuff like that for, for gear. So, you know, there's a lot of options for sure.
1: And then there's another. It's a little further away, but that's the ice fishing season, which you and I love. And we love to get out there and take part in ice fishing. And you can you can attest yourself to the times that you and I have been on the ice together, that without the mobility of having the ATVs to get around on the lakes, we never would have had the success we did.
3: No question. There's no question about that. You know, I mean, a lot of our, our ice fishing trips, you know, I mean, you're not always, you know, landing right on the hot spot, that's for sure. And, and you know, oftentimes we've got to move and, and be mobile. And, and, you know, those, those uh, ATVs that are equipped with tracks and stuff like that, that make it make it possible to get around to wherever you need to get to,
1: oh, and they make it fun too. You go out there and you get around the lake, and I tell you another thing too. don't tell anybody, but I'm getting a little older, and those two mile hikes start to get to me boy <laughs>
3: I'm telling you what i'm not I'm not even really all that old, but they, they get to me too, so oh, and and you just you
1: lose fishing time. Yeah. You're just, you're not, you know, and with today's mapping, you got these mapping so- softwares for the GPS's. They show you the lake bottom contour. You can take the ATV and drive right up to that hump or that spot, drill a hole and check it. Now we've got a special thing going on too. We should tell people about because if you, whether you're a, a beginning, a novice, uh, you want to start ice fishing or you're an advanced ice fisherman, we're offering a contest through sun. Where people that want to advance for ice fishing or just have a day of fun ice fishing, they not only get to go with a couple guys from Sun and some ATVs, but I heard that there's a couple guys that might know a little bit about ice fishing going to be on the trip. Yeah,
3: no doubt about it, right? So, um, you're absolutely right. You know, that trip is going to be just awesome. And, 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 you know, uh, I can't stress enough what you just said. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner or you're a professional or, or close to a professional type ice fisherman. You know, the success rate that we have going with you, Terry Wickstrom, and I believe Nate Zelensky will be on that trip as well. Um, so. You know, it's one of those things, you know, that, um, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's the success rate's just going to be awesome. So we'll have a great time with it. You know, we are giving that away this fall, and uh, at some point this this, uh, this winter we'll be going out together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, if people want more information or they want to enter, it's going to be a random drawing and you enter it, but I think you've just posted it on your your Facebook page, is that right?
3: Yeah, that's correct. You know, you can go to Sun Enterprises on Facebook, and uh, you know, get on there, and you can enter on, on our Facebook page uh, to win that trip, and you know, I, I uh, recommend everybody do that. It's going to be, a, it's just going to be a great time. We always have a great time, and it's just great, great people, and, and it's just lots of fun.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, now, with, now, without patting myself on the back, just because Nate's with us, and I do know a little bit about it, whoever got, comes, is going to be able to sit there on the ice and talk to us talk about the equipment talk about how we approach the fish and you know yourself you exponentially advance your own learning curve
3: you do there's no question about it you know I mean I've learned so much over the years you know doing fishing with you guys and and uh, Karen too you know I'll tell you what I I got to make sure Karen's invited on that trip as well she's got to be there and uh, she usually outfishes everybody yeah house. now
1: just get her I got to go home with her and live with her ego now we got company coming tonight
3: yeah so hopefully she's not listening but uh, uh, well <laughs> no, we got on the on the trip for sure, but you're absolutely right. You just learn so much on that trip, and um, you, you know the stuff that you never thought of. You know that, that you get advice and, and that look from from a, a you know a pro angler side of things, and it, it really makes a difference. It sure does.
1: Tell people first of all, Facebook again. Yep, Facebook. You can you can uh, find us on Facebook
3: just under Sun Enterprises. Um, so you can find that, and you'll see all the details about that ice fishing trip that we're going to be giving away on that Facebook page.
1: And how do they find the store?
3: Yeah, find the store. Uh, we're 89th and Pearl Street in Thornton. So if you just take I-25 to the 84th Avenue, get off 84th, go east two blocks to Pearl, and head north on Pearl, and you can't miss the facility. Five acres, a full city block, big, big place.
1: All right, Mr. Kite, thank you for joining us. You have a great Fourth of July holiday.
3: You guys, too. Have a safe Fourth of July, everybody, and thank you so
1: much, Terry. You bet. That's Mark Kite from Sun. Uh, Just great, great people. Before we go, we talked about Facebook. I want to remind people that if you want to follow this show, the best way to do it is Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Let me tell you a few of the things we do on our Facebook page. You would have known that Kirk Dieter was going to be on today and that David Nickum, the executive director of Trout Unlimited, is going to be on later today if you followed us on Facebook. You'd have known about this Sun Ice Fishing Contest. We post it periodically and we're going to post some more so you make sure you know how to, how to enter it. Karen posts every time we add another show to our YouTube channel, another video, she posts that on our Facebook page and then every time we... Um, uh, every time we do a tackle talk or something like that, Karen posts it to our YouTube page. So, that, I mean, our Facebook page, so you know what's going on. And we, and then every time my column comes out in the Denver Post, we go on my, my Facebook page. And that's the best place to read my weekly column in the Denver Post because it sometimes ends up in different versions, whether it's the app or online or how you go after it. And all of the, uh, all, all of the, all of the links that we typically put them on my columns because we aim it at the online readers, although they do carry it in the print. Um, we aim at those for those people at the, um, at at the through the Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook and uh, follow everything that's going on in this show. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.